I don't share very well. At any rate, so the theme, the theme of the Gospel of John is Jesus. And it's not just Jesus, the word. It's his identity. You see what I mean? The Christ. That's not his last name. That's who he is. He is the king. Christ is the anointed one. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. That is, he is God in the flesh. Remember we read last week, I think it was, John 5, 18. And when he claimed God as his own father, in other words, he is the son of God, then they sought all the harder to kill him because he was making, calling God his own father, he was making himself equal to God. And that's blasphemy. Unless, of course, what? It happens to be true. So as I was presenting this Gospel of John to you to start with, remember I told you, read the first 18 verses. Because guess, interestingly enough, who the first 18 verses are about. They're about him. Everything John's got to say is about him. It involves other people, other things, other circumstances. But everything John's got to say, John told you, here's my subject. And the result I'm looking for from the subject the result of the theme is life. Not existence, life. Life eternal. In John's writing, find me a time where he emphasizes life that it's not eternal life. It's eternal life. That's what he wants. This is bound up and played out. And John gives us instance after instance where Jesus' identity is declared. And then in the, in the narrative, we see some people get a hold of that. What do they do to get a hold of that, Bill? What do, what do they do with his with his identity, what do they do to get a hold of it? You said it well ago. They believe him. I know somebody might have perverted the word believe. Forget about that. John's not perverted. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. This is either the word of God, it's not, and it is too. This is not a class on apologetics, though some will actually slip in there sometimes. But this is either the word of God or it's not. If it is, then here's the theme. The theme is about him. And to, and to get the result, here's the opportunity to believe. And people do that and they don't do that. They miss it and they get it all through the gospel. They're missing it and they're getting it. Why are they missing it and getting it? Because people in 2,000 years hadn't changed yet. I don't think 6,000 years they've really changed. Because they got a list of stuff they want to change. They got a list of stuff they're doing. And in the end, they're stuck with who? Themselves. Themselves. And the day you became a Christian, what did God cut off of you? 
What did God surgically through Christ, Colossians 2, remove from you other than yourself? You can say sinful self if you want to. That's good because that's what we're talking about. Why would I want something that leaves me stuck with my sinful self? And all man-made religion leaves you stuck with your sinful self. That doesn't accomplish anything. It's not going anywhere. This is whole nother. This this not a different. This is a different sport, not just a different ball game. This is a different sport right here. So, as we skim through these, and and we did skim through them, but go back over here to chapter two for just a second. And Jesus goes to Cana of Galilee and turns water to wine at a wedding. What can you see in that? What? How does this story connect to us? Nobody in here is a Jew. Nobody in here is planning a wedding feast. Nobody in here is in the middle of a wedding feast in the first century as Jewish family. And yet, in this, verse 11, the first of his miraculous signs he performed at Cana and Galilee, he thus revealed his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that's in the first 18 verses. John said, we watched it. First John, he said, we beheld it and we looked at it with our eyes. We get our word theater from the word he uses there in First John. No, we saw it happen. And then as we were seeing it, we were paying specific attention to it as if it were this drama that were unfolding. We watched the idea of the word became flesh. We watched that unfold. The fact that he came, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Have there been people not recognizing him through this? What about last week, the guy at the pool at Bethesda, Bethsaida? There, 38 years, Jesus healed him right then. Take up your mat and walk. The guy picked up his mat and walked. As soon as, soon as they come and approach him, because I guess he's walking around in front of everybody trying to get credit for it or in trouble for it or something, who did this to you? And what did he explain? Jesus, the Christ, the King of Israel, the Son of God in the flesh. That's who did it to me. Is that what he said? What did he say, remember? He didn't recognize him. John told us that's going to happen in chapter 1. Well, chapter 2 here, what... His mother said to him, they have no more wine. Look at verse 4. What's this got to do with me? Do you think people ever, ever go there emotionally? You're telling about Jesus and they're like, okay. What's that got to do with me? Well, if you hang on a second, you might find out. If Jesus is who he claims to be, and John declares him to be, and John proves him to be, then that, that's one thing. 
But people have to process this. And when people are processing life, primarily they're looking at themselves and they think there is this huge gap between God and between them. Okay, well, that's a good idea because there is. But what's the deal about Jesus? He closed the gap. He closed the gap. What's this got to do with me? Well, how about you created everybody that's here? How about you created everything that's here? How about this wedding? This is very connected to you. It's very connected to him. People don't know that they're connect- they have a connection with Jesus. They don't know that he made them. They don't know that he cares. Emotionally, physically, or geographically, they live in some far-off place from Jesus, like Cana, and no, no big things going on there. And Jesus gets very interested real quick. I don't think people know that about him. I think sometimes we forget that about him. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, it was just the fact that these people lived so long the way they did. When Christ came, it was such a revelation to them, they couldn't accept it because it was against everything they believed. And as a result, they they tended to just look elsewhere instead of looking at him. And he changed the water to wine, and, and the, the wine was the best wine, too. It's kind of like, gives me a message that they serve in the best to last. This, like this, this is what I'm saying, Al. This is exactly what I'm saying. And, and there you are again. It's, it's all in chapter one, first 18 verses. The light in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness of people's thoughts, of their worlds, of their wedding feast. There's not, nobody's looking for the Messiah to show up at a, at a unpopular, that's, that's not what they're looking for. It's not what they're expecting. The masses of people think they don't really matter to God. You know why people are always boasting and bragging? about what they have and what they accomplished? What are they trying to build? Value, importance, significance. But it's all tied to self. But that's what they're trying to build. So what if, what if I look to him and he provided that? Do these people, do these people at their wedding, at this wedding feast, do they need to change their minds about God? That's a strict question. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. John the Baptist came and had primarily one sermon. Jesus is preaching, he has primarily one sermon. Repent. You know what that word means? 
Change your mind. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. And so as we're looking at these these narratives in here, as we're looking at these stories, even as we're looking at the conversations he has with people. The woman at the well, we spent a good bit of time there. The woman at the well, what's that teaching us about him? What's that offering us about the identity of Jesus that would bring life? What is the woman at the well doing to change anybody's mind? People don't think that's how he is. They don't think that's who he is. They think a Samaritan woman at the well doesn't have any value, doesn't have any purpose, really, so she doesn't have any importance. And Jesus came and talked to her about how to change her life. And he gave her a long list of stuff to do. He didn't mention it one time. He pointed it out on the down low, but he just did that to make a point of what. What did Jesus talk to her about the whole time, by the way? If you knew who, if you knew who, what was the guy that got healed at the pool of Bethesda's whole problem? He didn't care who. So when he didn't care who, what did he do with the what? The what was he got healed. What good did that do him? Because he didn't connect it with the who. It didn't do him one lick of good. In fact, Jesus runs into him probably on purpose and said, look here, you stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Because you missed the connection of the what. The, the what was to declare the who. And you missed it. And as long as you got the what, all you got is you started standing vertical, walking around, getting in trouble. You used to be laying down, feeling sorry for yourself. Now you got vertical and you're getting in trouble and blaming everything on somebody else anyway. That's not, that's not life. Interesting. So what about Nicodemus over here? It's a conversation. No miracles involved. But Nicodemus comes to him because of what? What's Jesus been doing it's got Nicodemus' attention. That's it. And Nicodemus said those miracles are a definite mark of what? Identity. You must be God in the flesh. You must be the Messiah. Is that what he said? He said, we know for sure and certain... Where'd he come from? We know you're sent from God. Because nobody can do what you're doing unless God's behind it. And if you're doing something like that for God, then you got a message from God. You have my attention, I'm interested, Nicodemus said. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in regard to to Nicodemus. Who is it that Nicodemus is really looking for? I know he's got some questions with Jesus about 
So tell me something I don't know. You're from God, so let's have it. That's really the conversation. But who really is Nicodemus looking for? Who really is Israel looking for? The Messiah. The Messiah. And the Messiah is going to wear what? He's going to wear the crown because he's governor. He ain't the governor of anything. He is king. He will be the king of Israel. And that's Nicodemus' real concern. Are you a prophet? Do I need to hear your lessons? Let me see your outlines. Jesus said, your real question's about the kingdom, Nicodemus. And if you're trying to identify me as the king, let me explain the kingdom to you, Nicodemus. You are not in charge of it. Nicodemus in charge of Israel. He's the teacher of Israel. Guess what it is about the kingdom? You will not be in charge. Are you in charge of the wind, Nicodemus? You see what it does? You're not in charge of the source of it. You can't stop it. That's kind of the nature of the kingdom, Nicodemus. Don't think you're going to latch on here and y'all are going to direct this. According, mm -mm. The kingdom is bigger than this. The kingdom is bigger than this. The kingdom is spiritual. Spirit, breath, wind, all those are the same words, so it's also a play on words. But what's he, what's he trying to check here? What's he digging at with Nicodemus? His thought of the Messiah. How do, you, how, do you, how do you think about the Messiah, Nicodemus? Because however you think about the king is how you think about the kingdom. And let me tell you, the kingdom is from above. The kingdom's over your head. The kingdom's not under your control. Does this have any application whatsoever to modern-day Christianity? See, I think it still serves the church today. That's very interesting. So, mm, what about the guy? What about the guy, the royal official, whose son lays sick and he's about to die? What on earth could be John's point in that? Oh, there it is. What is this point? How's Jesus proving his identity? In, in fact, what did he use? What did he use in that instance? The, the kid is dying. The father knows that. Come now before my son dies. And what does Jesus do? 
Has that, you think there's any connection? You think there's any connection with the identity of Jesus? And his words? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So the guy does what? He believes. He believes Jesus. He believes what he said. He took him, took him at his word. Now, when, when people start misunderstanding the word believe, you need to let these instances in here define what that is. Because I'm telling you, the guy in chapter 5 at the pool, he ain't got a bucket full of this. It doesn't. So guess who he's still stuck with? Himself. Jesus didn't even do a major sign. Now, he told her stuff. Nobody else could tell her. But when he's talking to the woman at the well, and her life changes on a dime, what did she do? She believed him. She hadn't, she hadn't got all this figured out. It's kind of progressive in the story. But if, by the time she goes back and gets everybody, what does she tell them? You all come right now, because you know what? I just found the Messiah. What were, yes, sir. Does that, now, now hang on right there, Al. Is this a thing? John the Baptist came preaching. What John had? A bunch of miracles? All John's doing is talking. He's preaching, and his preaching makes so much sense. Guess what people do? He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So that through him all men might believe. All John the Baptist offers is words. And people believe his words, and they believe his words and accept his words one people at a time, primarily. And John reveals Jesus. He said, the reason I came baptizing was water is that he might be revealed to Israel. And so through John's testimony about Jesus, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, Peter, these people are believing what? The message about Jesus. We want to do things corporately. About as close as I can get to corporately is when the, is when the Samaritan woman goes to town and she comes back. Guess who came with her? The whole village. The whole village. Which is amazing that they would listen to her. That won't happen. 
they, they ain't nobody gonna. What did he just do with human value system? He's turned it right upside down. You want to get an entire Samaritan village? Let me tell you who you need to talk to. They ain't nobody. They ain't nobody would have picked her. Ain't nobody would have picked her. Because they didn't know she was going to go to a well at the bad time of day to do something that she's ashamed she's got to do, go out in public, and... But guess who she's going to run into? This guy. And his identity will be what changes her life forever. And primarily, Al, you're right. John keeps presenting that one people at a time. He's not before the Sanhedrin. He's before one Pharisee. He's having a conversation with one Pharisee at night. Even as the disciples come, they're coming one at a time, a lot. It's interesting. It's interesting. Is this a, is this a decision that every person has to make? Yeah. We can try to teach our kids who he is and leave them with the idea, it's your choice. And we do that, but guess what it is? It's their choice. It's everybody's choice. Go ahead, Al, I interrupted you, brother. But I just thought that you were on a key point right there. But since you mentioned that, did anybody come to Jesus here in the first five chapters in order to change their life? Well, what on earth? I thought people come to the Lord when they decide to change their life. They just keep running into him. And here he is. Do they have a need for him? Uh-huh. Everybody in here has a need for him. But what changes? There's people's lives are changing. Nearly every page, people's lives are changing never to be the same again. What's changing them? Their drastic need to change. No, sir. No, ma'am. Their full awareness of how desperately they need to change. No, sir. No, ma'am. Guess what's changing them? The identity of an individual. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. And he... He is changing lives. I don't think it's that hard to make the application. This still happens today. 
this still happens today. And as we're teaching people, when he is what we teach them, if you teach people religion, guess what they're likely to learn? Religion. If you teach them obedience and self-discipline, guess what they're likely to learn? Obedience, self-discipline. You teach them about him. What are people going to be in control of in regard to their own obedience and, and their self-discipline and their religion? Can people control all that? Introduce them to Jesus and guess what? Watch them lose control. They'll be in love. And when somebody's in love, ain't no telling what they'll do. Peace. Love y'all. We'll start up there again here in a little while.